0: I was masturbating y'all
1: in the middle of it. I'm, I'm sorry? All I am
0: masturbating. That's what I was uh, doing. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I'm kind of a little pissed off, but. Well,
1: I just want to know where Billy's at.
0: Huh?
1: I just want to know where Billy's at.
0: I don't know where Billy had. Okay. I haven't seen him.
1: Okay. Apparently, from what she said, she was uh, watching a porno and masturbating when we got there. Apparently, we interrupted her.
0: Oh, yeah, my favorite podcast. The Sick and Wrong Podcast.
2: Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your host, E. Simon,
3: and I'm the other one, Kate Rambo. Hello.
2: What's the crack there, Kate Rambo?
3: Not much, mate. What's your crack? How's your fettle, as we say in the north?
2: Ah, it's working out. You know, I've been uh, I've been uh, enjoying reading all the comments on Facebook about uh, Kyle Rittenhouse.
3: Um, as have I, a vi, a lot of people are
2: butthurt <laughs> about that.
3: I've been attacked for uh, my views on Kyle Rottenhouse. Yeah, well,
2: that's what I love about uh about this is uh whenever you see like a something that's like this divisive, all of a sudden everybody's a legal expert. It's like all those yeah, Facebook like, legal experts weighing in with their expert opinions.
3: I was seeing it at work. I was like, this is like the OJ trial for the Gen Z generation. These guys aren't knowing the uh, the disappointment, but now they can like taste a little bit of it.
2: the the thing i'm wondering is do you think kyle rittenhouse is getting laid from all this notoriety
3: i think he's definitely getting some redneck pussy to be sure he's in somebody's dairy queen right now
2: well yeah i mean he's famous conservatives adore him he's like a hero to them so do you think he's like banging all these maga chicks like left and right
3: um, if he wasn't so much of a blatant virgin, I would say, yes, he's totally getting some puss, but I don't think he is.
2: You, wait, you think he's a virgin? You don't think he's ever been laid?
3: I don't think he's ever, well, judging by his actions,
0: he's never been laid. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't look like he's been laid, but I don't know. I bet you now, I'm, I'm sure there's like a lot of MAGA chicks that want to get on that. I mean, he's got to be partying. The guy just walked free from a murder trial without any charges. Just this free, guy not even a single is- charge.
3: This guy's about to hit the media circuit for real. I can't wait to see him on Dr. Phil doing that fake blubbering cry again. That's what I'm looking forward well, to. Well I think
2: he's going straight to Tucker Carlson's show. I think he's already invited. In fact, I think defense attorney his defense attorneys like banned Tucker Carlson from filming in the in the courthouse. Like they're like, No. You you, he, you can't do you gotta wait till after he's exonerated.
3: We'll know he's really truly made it when he's being interviewed by none other than Sir Joseph Rogan.
2: Oh yeah. I bet you he, <laughs> I, you know, I wonder if Rogan's been uh, weighing in on it. I, I, I wonder what bro Rogan's opinion is, but you I know, don't th- think the jury happy. in Wisconsin only took three and a half days of deliberation, Rittenhouse, not guilty. First degree, reckless homicide, first degree, intentional homicide or recklessly endanger endangering public safety.
3: What do you think Ed Gein would have made of all of this? It's his state, he's probably the biggest, uh, the most famous serial killer from Wisconsin. What do I you think Ed Gein if, would be thinking about? He'd probably just be like, bro, go to the graveyard. Dig I think him Ed,
2: up. I think Ed Gein would have been thinking about his mom's deteriorating bitty. do <laughs> do you think, <laughs> her bitty decomposing bitty? Mommy.
3: Well, Kyle also really loves his mummy. She drives him everywhere.
2: Yeah, with his firearms. But you know why I'm kind of inspired by uh, national hero Kyle Rittenhouse. I'm inspired. I'm inspired by by him. I'm inspired by his A-list team of defense attorneys. I'm inspired by the honorable and completely unbiased Judge Bruce Schroeder.
3: And the jury, too. Don't forget.
2: And because of all this, I've been inspired to start a nonprofit for the teens of Wisconsin. Okay, Rambo.
3: Um, is it dsimon.org? Are you becoming an organization?
2: No, I'm just going to, I don't know, probably get like a GoFundMe or something. or
3: Right, um, as people do. Kickstarter or something like,
2: like that. This. Yeah, like I'm, I'm going to start a, uh, a nonprofit for the teens of Wisconsin. It's called Arm the Teens. Because the um, thing is, Kay Rambo, and you probably don't realize this because you guys aren't allowed to play with guns in your country, but guns don't kill people. Teens kill people in self-defense. <laughs> That's right, the tagline you
3: know Dee, <laughs> I want to go I want to like take a little time machine Back to 1999 Back to a place called Littleton uh, And uh, oh, we're going to take this to Eric and Columbine.: We're going to be like Hey boys, you don't have to kill yourself At the end of this Because teens should be armed
2: Well, if they move to Wisconsin Wisconsin <laughs> Teens can be armed and so I, I really think, you know, let's get the guns in the hands of the people who really need them. Businesses can then hire these armed teenagers to protect their stores. It's a win-win situation.
3: Is this like the Warriors?
2: Kind Is of. It? but it's, like it's kind of like the Warriors. The teenage Warriors. So I've been reading into this, uh, Kate Rambo, doing a little research. 15 million kids attend high school in the United States. And only one in 18 goes to school armed with a gun.
3: Only. <laughs> Only 1 in 18
2: is armed with a gun. That's nearly 1 million teens taking a potentially deadly weapon to school. So I'm like looking at this and I'm thinking 1 in 18. My nonprofit might might make it like 8 in 18. You know, I bet you I could double those numbers in at least like four years. Especially is if I'm one, like passing out semi-automatic weapons to the teens. Is the 1 teens. in
3: 18 named Kip Kinkle?
2: Maybe. Um, gun to- gun-toting teens are found in every state. 83% uh, were found in states that don't have uh, background checks, which is good because background checks are, pff, they just kind of waste time.
3: Who, who but, needs them?
2: Well, that's the thing. You know, a lot, a lot of people say teens need, need guns <laughs> or they feel they need guns out of fear. But I think a lot of people just like to carry guns. So, you know, because it makes you feel more like a man, makes you feel more powerful. You know, it uh, gives you that sense of self-worth that you might be missing, you know? Just
3: as a, as a little, this is a little Britain fact here. So you guys don't need to have background checks on your guns, that's fine. Just, you know, have your guns. Over here in Britain, if you are under the age of 16, you can't even buy an energy drink.
2: <laughs> really? <laughs>
3: You get ID to buy. energy like nanny drinks. laws. You can't buy. You get ID to buy a knife in the store, even craft knives. You know, like little scalpels. You can't buy them without an ID. No, sorry, not in this nanny state. I'm liking this. I'm liking where you are taking this, do you, Simon? Well, it's most a liberal country.
2: Most states, definitely not in California. I don't. Most states don't allow teens to openly carry weapons. Definitely not well, like not? AR-15s. Well, they just don't. I mean, they 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 have gun laws in most states now. Wisconsin. Teens
3: are very rational people. That's what you can say about a teenager. They're very rational. Emotionally mature,
2: rational people. Ex-
3: um, exactly.
2: Not, you know, they're not privy to impulsivity. You know, they uh, they, they, they have a lot of forethought with uh, every action. So I think why not give them AR-15s? But in Wisconsin, you can. Like in Wisconsin, that's the thing. Everyone kept saying with Kyle Rittenhouse, oh, he had, you know, illegally had this... They they purchased the AR-15 illegally. I think his mommy purchased it illegally. But he was legally allowed to to carry that around. At his age, 17 years old, he's allowed to walk around with an AR-15. And the reason being is because there's hunting laws in Wisconsin. And they allow um, teenagers, 16 and 17-year-olds, to uh, actually carry a gun, a a rifle with a barrel longer than 16 inches, which his gun... At a barrel, I think it was like 35 inches. So you're allowed to carry that around. Whether he should have been going to his mommy, he should have been dropping him off at a protest with an AR-15. Now that's a question. <laughs> that's that's questionable. But we're not going to get into we're not going to get into that. But I'm saying it's legal for him to do that. So why not make it more available for these kids? If listen to this, they were asking in uh, uh they're in this study here. Um, they're analyzing data from 1998 to 2017. And they asked uh, ninth through twelfth graders if they carried a gun the past month. Only six percent said they did.
3: We need six. to get those numbers up. That's nothing. That's nothing.
2: That's what I'm saying. My nonprofit, ArmTheTeens.org, will then give AR-15s. And I'm thinking maybe like, I don't know, setting up like a, a tent or something out in the in the mall parking lot, or maybe outside of a community center. They probably won't let me do it in a school. No, no, negative I think connotations. I say,
3: school's the best place to do it. Yeah, Everyone, every teenager in America needs to take a gun to school.
2: Well, I'm just saying there's negative connotations, Columbine and all that, you know. Um, that's why I was thinking like maybe a community center, like a boys and girls club or something. It's like, you know, if you're 16 or 17, here's an AR-15, you know, and I'll, I'll raise money for it. And uh, I'm sure like, you know, if I raise like a million dollars, a lot of AR-15s.
3: You know, if people want to donate to this cause through my PayPal, I totally promise to pass the money on to you. Just PayPal me some money, and I'll pass the money on to this good cause.
2: You know, they say access to guns and carrying them is the greatest risk factor for being injured or killed by them. But
3: don't say. <laughs> come on.
2: <laughs> like, really? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It sounds like it's blown wait, out proportion. Wait, wait, wait.
3: Are you trying to tell me that guns are dangerous? When, <laughs> well, that's what when they say. It's,
2: but carrying them around, it's, you risk being injured or possibly killing others. But what? come on. It's self defense, all right?
3: I'm sorry, it, but guns don't kill people. We all
2: know rappers do. Well, that's the thing, though. In Wisconsin, not only can you carry a gun, but they have, like, really, really loose self-defense laws. So you can just claim self-defense from almost anything. You know, in fact, it, what was interesting about it is you can say self-defense if you're in imminent danger or if you feel like those around you are in imminent danger. So the the people that Kyle Rittenhouse killed, shot with a gun and that 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 he that he killed they could claim that they were acting in self-defense if you think about it by wisconsin's laws because they could say well i thought my peers were in imminent danger because this kid had an ar-15 so that's why i was trying to disarm him so i mean if you think about it they all could act in self-defense but they're dead so it doesn't matter kyle rittenhouse was uh was using the self-defense um you know uh defense there that, that was his, That was the basis of his uh, defense team's argument. And he's a free man now because he had an AR-15 on him, which I'm hoping he carries everywhere he goes now.
3: Do you think this is going to be like, a, you know, kind of how you go into hard rock cafes and they've got all this memorabilia from all, like, some of the world's greatest musicians of all time. So do you think that this gun, this uh, his uh, rifle, is going to be, like, you know, like
2: bronzed or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's going to sign it.
3: Used. Do you think it's going to go and be put on the side of Stone Mountain?
2: I I, I mean, so. I think, you know, like uh, Eddie Van Halen would, you know, walk around with his guitars all the time. I think he should like, you know, just be carrying an AR-15 and that's his thing.
3: Just don't go into a state where you're not allowed to carry your rifle. Although, just stay after, in Wisconsin. Your, after your fundraiser, your organization, I think every state will allow everyone to carry rifles at all time because well, I America s- baby.
2: I want to start in Wisconsin because they already have laws, you know, enabling 16 and 17 year olds to uh, openly right. carry AR-15s. But then I think we'll gradually move towards other states. I'm sure Texas would be totally down. They have a Definitely. lot of teens think- that need to be, that need to be armed.
3: And then Florida.
2: Oh, Florida, I think will work well. But you know, without all these, you know, w- with Kyle, now that he's free... And he doesn't have to deal with the pesky murder convictions. His future is bright. He, I mean, he's got a lot going for him. I mean, I think he could get a show on Fox News or Newsmax easily. You know, I'm sure, I am sure. bet you Tucker will probably let him be like his, I don't know, not co-anchor, but understudy. Um, he could probably get his own column on Breitbart. Um, he might be able to be the treasurer for the Proud Boys. The Proud Boys love him.
3: He like can if, definitely become a podcast host.
2: Oh, he definitely should. He should do a Proud Boys podcast. I bet you he'd make a lot of money. Or he can even achieve his dream of becoming a police officer. You do know that when he was in, um, I think, I don't know, I think it was like ninth or tenth grade, he was uh, part of the Police Explorers program.
3: Oh, no, wait. I, I don't know if anyone else has been listening to it, but I am Over My Dead Body, which uh, is a, a long-running podcast. They're the people who did Tiger King. But they just did um, uh, a podcast called um, Fox Lake, which is about this corrupt uh, policeman who ran the Explorers program
2: oh, well, in his it's, well, state. Aren't they like junior police officers? They're like a uh, cherub of justices. You know, they just kind of walk around. Little yeah. Cherubs of justice. They,
3: it's diet. Very diet police. Very
2: well, very I think diet. it's like a junior like volunteer police thing. And, you know, it reminds me, I remember when I was growing up, there was this fucking dick that lived next door to us. Fucking narc. Um, his name was, I don't want to say his name because people probably listen to him, but it was my next door neighbor when I was in uh, Bay City. But this dude was a junior, I don't know what his, he wasn't, he wasn't police explorers back then, but he would walk around with a fucking police radio listening all the time and if there was like an accident or anything going on, he would race over there on his bike to help them out. He was a fucking total narc. Called the cops on me at least three times. Oh my we used goodness. to fuck he, with this kid. Yeah, he's, to, a, he's to, a fucking asshole.
3: He sounded like Ouija, you know, the photographer at the beginning, where he's like, just got the police radio strapped to his head. He's like, there's been a crime. I've got to get there.
2: Well, he was like a cherub of justice. Like, he was just like, oh, I got to get on the scene. How can I help you, officer? There was uh, teenagers drinking beer in their backyard. And then, like, we, we got busted. And we got minors in possession because of this fuck. I hated this kid. Kyle Rittenhouse is the same type of person as this kid. Definitely. Well, fucking Dudley Do-rights, fucking assholes. <laughs> Loves the popo. I, you know, he wears a blue lives matter t-shirt, which actually, when I first saw that, I didn't know that they were referring to police. I thought it was the blue man group. Like he really enjoyed their innovative live show. And he was like, oh, you know, do blue, you think, blue lives matter. Do you
3: think Kyle um, knows how to blow himself? How to do himself? <laughs> Sorry.
2: Exist. <laughs> uh, i'm not sure where you're going with that but maybe i think he should join the police squad though and start up his own police gang it could be called the meat beaters the snitches <laughs> the Crybabies. babies
3: <laughs> Ooh, or, cry babies is great
2: or he could move to uh, los angeles and uh, join the executioners which seems that, very fitting.
3: Well, cause that's exactly what he is. He's judge, jury and executioner.
2: But yes, that's uh, kind of what we're talking about today. i read an interesting article about the Los Angeles police gangs. In this, in this city, the gangs wear badges.
3: So, yeah, we're going to get into it, aren't we? D, I've got a little quote from you from one of the the kings of punk, probably one of the greatest punk bands that ever lived, who wrote a song specifically about this, where they say, Do you think the corruption will ever stop? What makes a person want to be a cop? Well, we know certainly about why Kyle wants to be a cop. But we're going to give a little history of the LAPD. Because we all know I like this type of thing. So, the LAPD, it's a vast organization. It's actually the third largest in the United States. But in its time, he has experienced huge scandals that have all been, like, covered by national press. Like, one of them was we did Brenda Allen on episode 791.
2: She's the Hollywood man, right?
3: Yeah, she literally brought the LAPD to its knees. So, sex, crime, brutality, corruption, all that good shit has all occurred within the force. So, the incredibly dashing and very sexy James Elroy, who I would have married um but now i can't one said that america was never innocent we popped our cherry on the boat over and we looked back with no regrets you can't ascribe our fall from grace any single event or set of circumstances you can't lose what you lacked at conception it's a good egg so the history of corruption in los angeles in the city it's you know it goes from like the perversion of hollywood stars it's fame seekers like the Black black dahlia you know whose brutal murders never been solved it's got the emergence of mob culture. There's cult leaders, unscrupulous police officers. It's all taken place in the LAPD since it formed in 1869, and yeah, like I said before, it's now the third largest police force.
2: That's crazy. So, Where, the... so is this what's the second largest police force in Chicago?
3: I did, I did look, but I have now since forgotten.
2: Yeah, I thought you'd think LA would be the second because it's so fast but
3: is uh, is new york i'm the first? assuming
2: new york's probably the first
3: yeah it must be chicago is the second then so in the 1940s we briefly talked about this about this man in the brenda allen episode you have police chief james Tugun davis and he was the absolute emblem of police corruption so under davis the lapd developed its lasting reputation as an organization that relied on brute force to enforce public order so, members of the LAPD at the time were revealed to have undertaken a kind of campaign of brutal harassment, including the bombings of political reformers who had, like, occur, you know, incurred the wrath of the department and the civic administration, too. This was all done under the name of the gun squad, which yeah. he declared that the LAPD would hold car on gunmen in the Los Angeles street. I want them brought in dead, not alive, and will reprimand any officer who shows at least mercy to a criminal. He would have had a great transatlantic accent in my mind. This well, uh, James Tugun Davis. Well, was
2: he the police chief? Was the, were the police chief in LA Confidential? Was that based on James Davis?
3: No, but James Elroy has... He probably is like little bits, but it one composite. of James Elroy's most recent books, um, Perfidia, has a total character that is James Davis. Is. So James Davis, you know, he was a fascist. He supported Hitler's views, especially regarding the Jews. He was involved in the Wineville Chicken Coop's murders. So that's in the film The Changeling, for those who've seen that. And he was eventually forced from the office by the them there. But in recent times, one of the most famous scandals in the LAPD history was the Rampart scandal. And this is like in the mid to late 90s. It's Shakespearean levels of betrayal and treachery. So the Rampart division, they had an anti-gang unit known as Community Resources Against Street Hoodlums (laughs) Crash. Hoodlums. You just don't say it enough, do you? It's a good word.
2: I like the way you say it. Hoodlums. Hoodlums. Hoodlums.
3: Hoodlums. these street hoodlums, they must be stopped.
2: I mean, the, so, the way in America would say it is hoodlum.
3: Hoodlums. He's a hoodlum. We
2: don't say hood. So, we say hood. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> it's a hoodlum. <laughs> so officers involved in this unit, they engaged in misconduct. So that would include planting evidence. They would do bank robberies. They dealt drugs. And, you know, they committed perjury on the side, too. An undercover officer called Frank Liger in 1997, he shot one crash officer, Kevin Gaines. This incident, it was ruled as self-defense resulting from road rage because, you know, that's what happens when you get road rage. You're allowed to shoot people and get away with it. So after Liger was cleared and put back on duty, six pounds of of cocaine that he had placed in evidence, it kind of went mysteriously missing. Hmm. This yeah, this investigation into the missing substance led to another crash officer, Rafael Perez, who may have taken the coke to frame Liger in retaliation for what happened to Gaines. These guys are just like all fucking at each other.
2: It's, it's crazy, crazy that good. he's going to frame them with six pounds of cocaine. It's <laughs> <That's> a, <lot laughs> a lot of, cocaine, lot of cocaine, cocaine to be found with. Yeah.
3: So one of them, once arrested, Perez, he fingered over 70 over officers that were involved in crime, corruption and scandals. And his revelations led to the LAPD having to pay out over $125 million in settlements to victims of this corruption. One of these payouts, he went to Javier Ovando, who was shot in his apartment in 1996 by officers uh, Rafael Perez and Nino Durden. The results of this left him, Javier, a leg mental. The officers, they planted a gun on the unarmed man and they perjured themselves at his trial, saying that he had assaulted them first and that's why they shot him and made him a leg mental. It's not true, he had no guns in his house. (sighs) He was sentenced, he served over two years in prison before the Rampart scandal was uncovered. And after he was released from prison, he received $15 million in settlement. It's the largest LAPD history.
2: I wonder if it's but,
3: worth it. Well, I, I've asked this at work before. Like if you were to go to jail for 20 years, but at the end of it, you're going to get 20 million, is it worth it?
2: Well, I don't know about that because it's 20 years of your life. You'll never get the time back. But would you, would you be all right just like losing a leg for twenty? Losing millions? a leg
3: and then going to jail for two years? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think your health is worth more than anything. But if I went to jail for two years, and at the end, I'm gonna get fifteen million. Fuck yeah.
2: Well, that'd be worth it, but you wouldn't—you wouldn't have a leg. This guy was. This guy, what he has, yeah, shot in the left leg. So, anyway, But
3: this is just one of hundreds.
2: Well, we're gonna you know, talk more now. In uh, Oakland, there was another recent uh, group called the Riders. I think. Well, not recent. I think it was probably like fifteen years ago, but. They were just notorious. Same deal. Like, uh, planting evidence, um, extorting, extorting victims, uh, stealing from gangs and selling their own drugs, I mean, and murdering people. Um, but it was like a whole group of cops called the Riders. Those guys all went do out. they
3: have such cool names? Obviously, like, Crash isn't a good name, but Riders is
4: cool. Well,
2: you know, I wonder about... So, I'm about to kind of go into um, some details about the many gangs, the numerous police gangs of uh, L.A. County... Um, but I wonder if these crash uh, uh, team members here, these, this anti-gang unit, were part of some of these other gangs. I
3: definitely think they will have been.
2: They must have been. I mean, because this is pretty much how they they all operate. So there's there are 18 gangs currently within the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. So the, Yeah, isn't that crazy? There's 18 active gangs. Um, officials of various agencies, including the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors, um... And the United States Commission on Civil Rights as well as the California Senate Subcommittee on Police Officer Conduct have heard testimony on the violence that are inflicted at the hands of these deputy gangs for decades. But there's never been any internal investigations or really any significant policy changes up until now. Now they're actually like uh, Newsom passed laws, which I'll get to in a minute. And uh, the, the sheriff Villanueva is also um, vowing to uh, crack down on these gangs, but they've never really cracked down. They know about it, but they kind of turn, you know, turn a blind eye. And so yeah, it's since, very rare.
3: Yeah. Ever since uh, James Tugan Davis, it's just kind of been allowed to happen under the table, so to speak.
2: I think it's just kind of ignored because they know, I mean, these are all veteran cops, you know, and I think, uh, I think they're like, well, they're still kind of getting the bad guys and they're making a bit of a profit. Let's just sort of like forget that this is actually occurring.
3: You know what it kind of reminds me of? You know, Training Day with Denzel. That, that's like exactly what it is. just like this kind of absolute renegade. And he's trying to get people to be renegades with him. That's totally... That's, what, that's what this day. is.
2: So these deputy gangs have killed at least 19 people. Most of them were uh, men of color. Uh, several of them had mental illnesses. And uh, there's a list of lawsuits in L.A. County related to these deputy gangs. And it's and what you mentioned before, $50 million is just a fraction of what they paid out over the past 30 years. I mean, they paid, they paid well over $100 million in settlements.
3: It's crazy. Yeah. Just think about that much money. That's your taxpayers' money, D.
2: Um, two of the uh, most exceptionally violent gangs that are currently active are the Banditos and the Executioners. Which
3: Who sounds... would you
4: be? I'm in the
2: executioners. Yeah, I don't think I'd be allowed to be in the banditos. <laughs> the executioners. <laughs> <Me either. laughs> yeah. Um, but there's been recent uh, reforms intending to ban them, but yet both are active, and they both are kind of like so-called secret cliques. So, I mean, they, they, you have to be initiated. It's almost like a fraternity type of thing, like a, fr- of, like a fraternity of, uh, of uh, corrupt policemen. Um, and the LAPD either can't, or won't manage this problem that's been undermining the legitimacy of law enforcement a- the law enforcement agency for decades now. I mean, this has been going on for a long time. And oh, so yeah. there's been a recent report by the Rand corporation on behalf of the county government. Um, and, uh, they surveyed over 10,000 sworn personnel and they revealed that nearly one in six deputies have been invited to join what they call a subgroup, which is a gang which is crazy, one in six.
3: It kind of makes sense though, doesn't it? Because especially like, you know, I work a blue collar job, but you have your cliques at work, don't you? You've got people who you get on with and you'll hang out and buddy up with them. And I think it's only kind of, it's like a human, it's like very base level human psychology that you're gonna team up with people who are like-minded like you. And then, hey, if you can do things for your own personal gain, within this group, I just think it's kind of, I think it's something that actually can't be stopped. And it's, I don't think it's something that can even be policed.
2: Well, maybe, I don't know now. I mean, there's going to be some severe penalties if they find you um, breaking the law as being part of this group. But the thing is, I mean, there's like hazing rituals, there's tattoos, there's like their own type of language and and hand signs that they use for this. Uh, And they, you know, obviously, you know, are violent towards you know, people in the community, especially people of color, but even, like, they harass their own deputies. Any deputy that, or, or fellow police officer that stands against them will be harassed. Women. Uh, mo- most women aren't even allowed to be in these groups, and women are sexually harassed on a regular basis. In these, That's like, not
3: fair. I'd yeah, be in these, great like, in the boys clubs.
2: I, women aren't even allowed to join the executioners. So this report, this RAND report that came out recently, Um, identifies four subgroups by name as currently active. So there's the Banditos of East Los Angeles Station, the Reapers of South Los Angeles Station, the Spartans of Century Station, and the Executioners of Compton Station.
3: Well, seeing as the Executioners won't have me, I'm going to the Reapers.
2: (laughs) The Reapers. And they also name several other groups that aren't currently active. Uh, but then, but have been active for years and still have aging members on the LSD, L.A.S.D. payroll. This includes the Little Devils, the Cavemen, the Jump Out Boys, and the Regulators.
3: These are all amazing punk band names. These I could see any of these bands playing like a Lavida, uh, having a record out on Lavida. I love it. I
2: well, like my favorite him, thing about it Boys. Is, is how they all have this like identifying tattoo that once you're, once you're passed through the, uh, the hazing process and they initiate you into the gang, you have to get the tattoo of the logo of the gang. So that
3: reminds me of uh, Starship Troopers, you know, when they all join tattoos and they all get the tattoos. I
2: don't remember what their tattoo was. So in 91, 1991, uh, the LA times reported on a gang called the cavemen Um. Captain Ramon Sanchez said that the moniker came from a nickname for a bunk room in the men's locker area of the East L.A. station. The cave was used by male deputies at the end of night shifts to rest when they had to testify in court the next day. Some deputies actually had cavemen tattoos. So it was like a Neanderthal-like cartoon with flies near its head. Each fly marks an incident of violence against a civilian.
3: Oh my God. That's awful. It's like they're really, right. Firstly, I just mean it's an awful tattoo, not the flies, but like, you can just imagine how shitty that tattoo looks. Oh, well, like They all cool look tattoo. pretty terrible.
2: I'm going to post some pictures of some of these tattoos, but after nearly 30 years after this gang, you know, was revealed and the LA times did that expose, uh, one alleged caveman made it all the way to the senior ranks of the department. um, Los Angeles County Sheriff Alex Villanueva. He's Villanueva. He's like the the current uh, head sheriff. His under sheriff Timothy Murakami was a, was one of the cavemen. So I mean, these guys. I mean, it's it's almost like a like a I want to say a rite of passage, but it's definitely like a badge of honor for these guys to be affiliated with some of these gangs.
3: Do these gangs all hate each other too? Because that's usually the way of it, isn't it? If you're in that gang, you'll have a rival gang within the police. I I think they work together to kill civilians.
2: Some of them are aligned, but then a lot of them um, definitely are like uh, rivals. You know, because different they're different stations, different uh, parts of LA. Yeah.
3: This is, this is like biker gangs, but it's similar. A, yeah. But within the force. So in
2: 1990, a new group formed within the Peter J. Pitches Detention Center, which is in Castaic. That's like near Santa Clarita. It's pretty far north of here, about like a like 40 minute drive. Um, it was known at the time as the Wayside Honor Rancho. It was like kind of a detention center, a rather large one. Um, the gang was called the Wayside Whiteys.
5: And their oh, this, mission that's... was
2: to bring to heel any incarcerated black men, especially black men who fought with white prisoners. They, had, they used hand signs with their middle fingers crossed, creating a W, and exchanged signs with incarcerated white gang members.
3: This is the worst gang name yet, the Wayside Whiteys. makes you think of underwear.
2: The Whiteys existed without reprimand for pretty much throughout the entire 80s. Until it was eventually revealed um, who they were. And there, there was a story that I read about it where um, this uh, black guy, like, I guess was attacked by a couple white prisoners. Beat the shit out of both of them. And the Wayside Whiteys pretty much cornered this guy while he was sleeping. Pulled him into a cell and beat the fuck out of him. With, like, uh, mag lights. Smashed his leg. Like, broke his leg. This dude ended up... Uh, he ended up suing the uh the county for like two million dollars and settled and nothing ever happened to the wayside whiteys though right. um the Linwood vikings is another gang they awesome. refer to themselves as lvs25 which is like the Linwood vario sheriff station 25 25 is their identifier and they say that with their hand sign like they have a 25 hand sign the vikings um an, anom- an, anon- an anonymous viking told the newspaper that it's the neighborhood, the environment, what, what we're up against that makes us the Vikings. You have to have a strong idea out there because of the minority element, it's like a war. And so they, the, the LA Times reported that the Linwood station boasted a map of Linwood in the shape of Africa. So Linwood's kind of south of here, south, near South Central. So okay. it's like, there are racist cartoons of black men. And then I mock like, Ticket to Africa on the wall. For problematic black guys.
3: This is all ship shape at this police station, isn't it? (laughs) Don't see any form of corruption going on here. Wow.
2: Regular activities for the Vikings included murder, assault with deadly weapons, trespassing in the homes, and torture. The people were terrified. If you were black or brown and walking down your street, you're fair game to them. And they would, like, seriously, like, they went around and menaced people. They spray-painted walls and power poles poles with their signs, the LVS25 tag. Like, they actually tagged things. They even turned up at the uh, L.A. County Criminal Court outside the door of Judge Lance Ito.
3: No way! Yeah,
2: and tagged, and they tagged, like, right outside of his door.
3: Was that before or after the O.J. trial?
2: It uh, must have been after, because he oversaw the O.J. Simpson case, so it would have been after that. Right, yeah. Uh, they would refer shit. to themselves as homeboys or the veteran officers as OGs. And they even harassed other deputies and superiors who opposed them. Uh, there was a superior the, who took a stand against them, Sergeant Pippin. Uh, he was a black man. He received a loaded gun in the mail that was rigged to fire upon the package opening.
3: This is like James uh, Two-Gun Davis when his, his officers are going out there and just like bombing people and sending them mysterious packages that were going to maim you. Well, he and transferred... What's going
2: to, on? <laughs> this guy transferred to another division. Uh, Sergeant Stan White allegedly had dead dogs placed in the back of his car, animal feces placed under the hood of his car, cow tongues hung in his locker, and guns pulled on him. He was eventually also relocated outside of Linwood Station.
3: Wow, One so Vi- you're fucked if you're not in the Vikings and you're in <laughs> per- this department. pretty much
2: the Vikings were bragging to uh, um, amongst each other that the gang had ran him out. So to join to become a Viking, you had to be a hard charger. That meant doing things like falsifying reports to prove loyalty to fellow deputies. And I guess that's like a very you know that's common not just the Vikings but throughout law enforcement. People have been doing this since like the 70s. Oh, yes. Um, It's the
3: dawn of time. I bet people have been falsifying police reports.
2: Yeah, this uh, civil rights attorney said, I've never seen a deputy or police officer report another officer for excessive force. Which I'm not surprised. Um, The Vikings would award tattoos to members who, quote, prove themselves. Each member of the gang had a numbered tattoo of a Viking. The highest number um, that this uh, journalist found was uh, 98. So that's like 100 members. Uh, The design was always located on the left calf and numbered. And while the gang was mostly made up of white men, they would occasionally recruit deputies of color like Paul Tanaka. Um, The gang also added uh, several Latin uh, people and four black members. But deputies of color who joined the group had their tattoos modified to denote their heritage.
3: Yeah, this isn't (laughs) like fascist Germany at all, is it? Wow. (laughs) Wow.
2: Um, One of the, a a gang that's still operating now since at least 2016 uh, is the Executioners and they prowl the streets of Compton. Um, The Executioners are founded, yeah, like around 20, they say 2013, 2014 um, by a former 2000 boy. That was another uh, police gang um, who doesn't seem to be working at the Compton station anymore, but they have a pretty cool tattoo. Their tattoo is a skeleton wearing a Nazi helmet emblazoned with the letters CPT.
3: This is so punk. This is just so insanely like a punk band.
2: I mean, it looks like, if you look at the logo of it, it almost looks like the cover of like an accused record or something. The skeleton holds a rifle marked with a Roman numeral for 28 surrounded by flames.
3: Flame tattoos are the best tattoos you can get, in my opinion.
2: Uh, Tattoo artist said that the design comes from a stencil. So it's been done quite a bit it's yeah. not like a free end. the executioners have the symbol um of uh of the skeleton which is the symbol of death uh, their t- tattoos are typically awarded this is for the executioners for killing a civilian and they're given out at parties so when there's a party yes, and you've boy. killed somebody they're just like it's time for you to get the tattoo uh, recruits are chosen for the gang based on their propensity of violence against members of the community black people and women not allowed to join the executioners Um, violence committed to further the gang's agenda is rewarded with permission to skip shifts. And those who don't comply with the gang, um, tend to receive non-preferential assignments. Memberships estimated around 80 people. So it's interesting of the hundred current active, uh, patrol deputies in Compton, 40 are affiliated with the gang.
3: Holy shit. That's like pretty much half of them by this point.
2: Uh, they say that the execution of the County of LA at least $7 million. And the body count is still growing. Now, probably the most notorious band of, or band, <laughs> the most notorious <laughs> gang, police gang here is the banditos. Um, they, uh, they're the paragon of bad behavior. According to this uh, report here, they are a menace to their non-click colleagues. Uh, The report describes the uh, workplace harassment, incivility, intimidation, retaliation, and even brawls in the parking lot outside the police station. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, they're deplorables. Uh, Banditos consist primarily of Latin LASD personnel. They allegedly do not allow women to become full-fledged members.
3: This is what I want. I hate how they're like, women aren't allowed. So in the Warriors, um, you have the Lizzies. It's a boys club. The Lizzies will fuck you up. So do you know what? I would never join the police, but if I did, I would totally start something like the Lizzies and be like, we're going to get all the men on this department. Well,
2: you they're should get like, been- do your own like a uh, women gang. Why not? A female police officers.
3: Yeah, the Lizzie's. Women can be way harsher than men, and women are emotional ninjas, so I reckon that the female ones could totally rule. And like, Do you know what? The first thing I'd be like is, let's not get identifying tattoos, ladies. (laughs) So
2: then they can track you.
3: So they can track us. Let's do it all under the table, you know, cloak and dagger style. Let's have some kind of style about this. Yeah, but I think it's the
2: camaraderie, you know, honor amongst thieves. When you see one of those, and you know that This person's legit. Um, Banditos have used violence against inmates in LASD custody as an initiation rite. So in order, if you want to join the banditos, you got to beat the shit out of an inmate um, in custody. Uh, Young deputies used unnecessary force before receiving the clicks tattoo, which is a skeleton with a bushy mustache wearing a sombrero and a bandolier holding a pistol. So he has a they have a sombrero and a bandolier and then and the, the the skeleton like a pistol with a mustache. <laughs> and it's all all numbered. Uh, members have gang nicknames and you slang like SA and all me. Holmes. yeah. <laughs> Holmes. <laughs> <Sup> <laughs> Holmes. Um when, um one deputy said in a complaint against the county uh, that they have like fundraisers, training parties, and staff barbecues at the East LA station and they must be round by the banditos. So if you're gonna do it, the banditos have to, uh, they get a cut and they coordinate it all.
3: I love how they're having barbecues at their <laughs> Like we have a, band, a barbecue today, Holmes. I'm like, okay, Holmes, hey, Holmes. getting whiter by the second May.
2: They've also established a culture at the station where deputies work backwards. Meaning they arrest civilians, then later come up with a probable cause by like planting or manufacturing evidence. So they arrest yeah, them first. So you do it. Yeah, there's a, a a story about this guy Christopher Gray, is a black man that kind of uh, lived whatever in East L.A. and uh, he saw like the the banditos or a couple of police officers were arresting his brother-in-law, and he was just standing in front of his uh, his house and uh, was watching the arrest go down. And uh, a couple of the cops came up to him, and was like "Go back in your house." and he's like, "This is my property. I'm just standing outside." And so then they arrested him for disorderly conduct, broke his arm, like tore his shoulder like ripped his shoulder blade, I guess or his shoulder muscle or whatever, and uh broke his arm. and then when he was in the prison, they beat him pretty bad uh he ended up he ended up uh, suing got a five hundred forty nine thousand dollar settlement. I Nothing hope he ever look happened. There Oh, no, he moved. (laughs) Nothing ever happened to... uh...
3: Is he in Wisconsin? I hope not. I don't know.
2: Um, There's an ongoing lawsuit that was filed in 2019 that describes the banditos as an illegal, racist, and sexist criminal organization. And they allege that the group violated its colleagues' civil rights by assaulting and attacking them directly at several locations and put their life and limb at risk by withholding backup on dangerous calls. So if it was somebody, if it was another cop that they didn't like, or that that they felt was against them, they just wouldn't, they wouldn't back them up. It's they just, just wouldn't so show up. It's so training
3: day. It's insane. <laughs> it's real. It's training day, but it's real.
2: Most department superiors tend to look the other way, or even covered for the abuse. Some supervisors didn't even write the use of force, or some of the uses of force just disappeared, you know, from the report. And the Banditos became even more violent in 2017 after Rafael René Munoz, AKA Big Listo, succeeded Eric the Godfather Valdez as a top shot caller of the gang. And Munoz, the Big Listo, was trained by our current sheriff, Alex Villanueva.
3: Oh shit, so do you (laughs) think he has Bandito ties
2: then? Yeah, he's, he's claiming That he's going to, you know, take action against this illegal activities in the force. This guy's not going to do anything.
3: Do you think he's maybe saying that because he's like, and they didn't let me into their gang. So I'm going to take down the gangs.
2: No, he's saying this because he's getting pressure from the government. He's not going to do anything, though. He's affiliated with these gangs. He trains these guys. He probably probably was one of these gang members.
3: Well, we're just going to look on his left. I'd be like, show us your left calf. Sheriff, Alex. I want to see your leg, mate.
2: Uh, Rafael Rene Munoz was actually discharged from the department following a domestic battery incident, but then he was later rehired. Oh, wow. <laughs>
4: real,
3: real classy guy.
2: Uh, Alex Villanueva has acknowledged that the Bandidos maintained control of the East LA station. Um, he said that deputy gang activity is an intergenerational rivalry, and it's all centered on hazing that has gone unchecked for a long time. But the violence not the, is the misconduct of individuals, not gangs. So he's denying oh, it. Yeah. Uh, another recent group is the Tasmanian Devils. They're based at the Temple City Station. There's Love the it. Cowboys deputy gang, which operates out of several locations, um, including uh, Palmdale and in, uh, in, in Antelope Valley. That's kind of like, I guess, probably like northwest of here. Uh, cowboy members have a common tattoo on the leg depicting a uh, skull in a cowboy hat with numbers. Um,
3: I know what the uh, the West Hollywood uh, sh- police gang is called. It's called the Queens.
2: The Queens? You, know, you there, never fuck that,
3: with the Queens.
2: Is, is that real? I didn't read that.
3: No, I just made it up No, oh, okay. that's totally what they would be called in West Hollywood.
2: <laughs> What's their tattoo?
3: Um, it probably would just be, I don't know, the queen going.
2: Aah. Wait, is that the gang that Harrison was trying to join? Remember he tried <laughs> yeah. out for the LAPD? <laughs> yes.
3: Yeah, when Harrison very, um, seriously tried to join the LAPD, he's, he wanted to go to the, the queen. He wanted to be one of the queens. Of, he wanted to be a queen.
2: I, uh, you know, I never understood. I remember when you was telling me that I was like, are you for real? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, why? He's like, well, why not? I'm not doing anything else. Cause he was unemployed for like a few years. And so, like, he was like, Yeah, well, I've, I've always wanted to be a cop. I'm like, Why would you want to be a cop?
3: I think Harrison wants to kind of be like um, a Dick Tracy type cop in the 1940s where it's all film noir and there's fog and you're like investigating the murders of very beautiful young women. But like that's not what you're going to do in the LAPD. No. You have to join on these
2: gangs. I think what he wanted, I think he wanted kind of to do it for the story just because it'd be interesting. And then when he actually went through with it, he's like, this fucking sucks. Like the realization. There's no way he occurred. ever would have
3: passed the physical. That's you know how many how many cigarettes did he smoke a day? Like you got to yeah. pass the
2: physical. Well, that's why most cops usually start when they're young. You know, Cause, by the cause time they're can... like our age, like my age, and Harrison's age, <laughs> you're not like you know running. You're you're not running like a fucking you know forty yard dash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like less than fucking two minutes, probably. <laughs> Um, there's uh, the regulators Um, Ah, this deputy here admitted to getting a regular's gang tattoo at a Sunset Beach shop so he like went to like a regular shop to get it the design's a skeleton wearing a star shaped badge and a cowboy hat holding a pistol next to a tombstone displaying the Century Station logo which is a diamond shaped crest with a Nordic like Nordic letters that spell out C-E-N and a Roman numeral on it he says he was the 140th person to receive the design.
3: What would um, happen if, like, regular Joes, like you or I, got, went and got these tattoos? I know, like, you kind of get a bit of shit if you get, like, um, Hell's Angels tattoos or if you get, like, the 1% a tattoo, you might get a bit of shit somewhere from someone. But do you think if you were walking around LA with, like, a skeleton on one of these on your, like, calf or your arm, do you think some shit would be said to you?
2: I would, I would recognized. definitely be concerned because it's like so. You might, you might be recognized by an actual gang that was victimized by one of these police gangs, and they see that and they associate you with that, so you're a target there. Or you might be recognized by the actual police gang, who's like, you didn't earn that tattoo.
3: Yeah, I feel it would be a very dangerous. Kind or of thing a
2: rival police gang. Might you know, that's. You <laughs> I think it's like I don't know. I think I'd probably avoid that one. You know, it's like kind of getting a swastika.
3: None of them have been where I've gone. That's a cool tattoo. Apart from the executioners. The executioners one's
2: kind of cool. There's a gang called the Buffalo Soldiers, which is uh, named for the units of segregated officers that serve in the U.S. military. It only admits black deputies. So it's like the only gang that's just all black guys. Um, Most uh, black people are banned from membership in other gangs. Um, So... (laughs) There you go. They, they do have, they have their to go own. Gang. Yeah. Now, outrage over these deputy gangs is something that has been going on for decades. Just no one has done anything about it. None of the department superiors tend to turn a blind eye towards it. Very, very rarely do any of the, uh, the, the cops themselves, the police officers, get disciplined. But recently, um, there's been some congressional attention. And I think that's why um, there's actually action being taken place. So, Representative uh, Maxine Waters, um, a Democrat from California, she wrote a letter demanding that Attorney General Merrick Garland take action to address the reported existence of rogue, violent gangs of law enforcement officials. One of them, one of uh, these gangs called themselves the Executioners, and they operate within the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department. Uh, Waters asked the Justice Department to pursue potential civil rights and constitutional violations against the group. And according to the report, that's why this report was initiated, the executioners face allegations of having incurred shootings of civilians and having assaulted at least three deputies at the station. Um, so this I think is what's prompted, uh, LA County Sheriff Alex Villanueva to promise change. So, uh, in February last year, he in- implemented a new policy mandating that department personnel shall not participate or join in any group, which promotes conduct that violates the rights of employees or members of the public. But LA Times has highlighted the emptiness of his reforms, including the sheriff's misleading claims that he'd cleaned house at the East LA station and broken up the banditos.
3: He trained the banditos. (laughs) He's He's like his under-sheriff
2: is a bandito. Um, This attorney who represents uh, deputies that are currently suing LA County, claiming harassment and retaliation by the banditos. he says that uh, Villaneva's false promises have, have just made the situation worse. He said the problem isn't just one gang. It's not just one gang that runs amok in East L.A. Um, the biggest takeaway is just how much deputy gang culture dominates L.A. County. The corrupt gang culture is the status quo. The whole system needs to be revamped. And it's true. I mean, just, just for the, the amount of money That I, I'm a a taxpayer in L.A. County, and the amount of money that we have to pay for these settlements. um, Since 1990, the county's paid out $55 million in subgroup-related judgments, including $21 million in the past decade. In 2019, they paid $7 million to settle a wrongful death claim by the family of a man shot and killed by a deputy with an executioner's tattoo.
3: This is where they need to like start wising up these gangs to like modern times. They need to stop doing the bravadery and, you know, and getting the tattoos if they want to keep this up, because it's just going to get worse and worse for them. I just don't think you can ever stop something like this. I well, I think it's just
2: going to go more underground. Everywhere. You're right. I, mean, exactly. I think it's just going to become more secretive. Um, law enforcement gangs have been identified within California law enforcement agencies, um, undermining... California's movement to enhance professional standards of policing throughout the state. This is from a bill that Governor Gavin Newsom signed into uh, law in September. Um, the bill reads law enforcement gangs have been recognized by the LA Sheriff's Department as damaging to the trust and reputation of law enforcement throughout California. So now uh, the law cites falsifying police reports, fabricating or destroying evidence, and targeting people for enforcement based on uh, protected characteristics. And so it states that any law enforcement groups who violate the law or fundamental principles of professional policing may be subject to discipl- disciplinary measures.
3: Maybe. There's Maybe. The, uh, the word there. They might be. <laughs> yeah,
2: right. So will anybody take action? They say they're going to take action. But what does that exactly mean?
3: It means nothing. Well, I found this great quote by... Um, probably one of the greatest writers uh, definitely one of the greatest writers of the police and we were mentioning it when we were talking about harrison wanting to join the lapd so this is raymond chandler and this is what he had to say about the um, the corruption and why it's so special in the lapd he says real cities have something else they have some individual bony structure under the muck los angeles has hollywood and they hate it it ought to consider itself damn lucky without hollywood it would be a mail order city everything in the catalog you can find better somewhere else Great I think
2: writer. I I think I believe that.
3: <laughs> Nothing's changed, has it, from when Raymond Chandler was writing this to now? I
2: don't know. I mean, I think in the yeah, in like the nineteen thirties up until now, the gangs are wearing badges here. <laughs> Makes you wonder who the good guys are. Um, people, well, this is episode eight eighteen here, sick and wrong. Um, we got some phone calls come up next. 323 522 4032 is that number. But first, Here's a word from our sponsor.
5: Ah, the holidays. It's snowing outside, the fire's crackling, and there's a big jar of unused lube on your nightstand. And that can only mean one thing. It's December. Yes, that time of year that we celebrate Christ's alleged birth with the purchase of a shiny brand new dildo at Adameve.com. And if you use coupon code DIDDLE on your order, you'll get 50% off your first purchase, three free adult DVDs, and a free gift. Show your loved ones you still care and cram a brand new dildo down their holiday road. Support Sick and Wrong by supporting our sponsor, AdamandEve.com, and making a purchase using coupon code DIDDLE. That's D-I-D-D-L-E. Like priests do to altar boys. Hallelujah.
2: So we've got a few phone calls to get to. Uh, 323-522-4032 is the Sick and Wrong hotline number. Um, this first call is from a, uh, a listener who's very... Disappointed, in the news <laughs> about us, Krambo.
3: Oh, there's, there's always one, isn't there, coming along to spoil the party.
2: Hi, um,
4: I'm bringing some very disappointed. I mean, I had I signed up to Patreon to make sure that it was it was it was true. Um, you know, we've been out for a few drinks. Um, I've the last time I saw you, I I, I picked you up in my arms and gave you a kiss on your forehead.
2: I think I know who this is. I think I know who this is. If, if do you I'm...
3: remember this cuddle? Sounds like something lovely.
2: This cuddle was very meaningful between us. It was a moment that we shared. Yeah, and I do remember. It's very memorable. I thought you knew how much I
4: loved you. <laughs> and now you've gone to marry Kate. You know, when Harrison left, I thought maybe there was an opportunity for you to move to London and for us to kind of develop a magical relationship. <laughs> maybe you can send me a message on my birthday.
2: Wait, when Harrison left, was, it, was I just like, oh, okay, guess I'm going to move to London now.
3: And develop a <laughs> magical relationship. <laughs> Dee, you've missed out because you could have had a magical relationship.
2: I know. I, I really think I... Uh... Yeah, I missed out on a good thing here. For, you know,
4: when, if I divorce my wife, there was a chance. Talk about <laughs> to have some fun.
2: So wait, I'm going to move to London and he's going to divorce his wife and we're just going to have a magical broke back divorce. Mountain experience. Well,
3: <laughs> if if you get to want to have a magical relationship, I'll put divorce on the table too. Like I'm not going to stand in the way of bromance. You just can't. <clears throat>
4: No, you've got to marry Kate, and I'm, I'm sure she's a nice girl.
3: <laughs> I'm not
2: that, but have you heard of the things she, she says she's about Jews? The complete opposite
3: of me. I, I think I am.
2: Um, well, yeah, she's got way better tits.
3: <laughs> hey, like how do says. you know
2: <laughs> if this is who I think it is? He doesn't have an impressive rack, all right. Like Stop yours. hurting
3: his feelings. He's already down in the dumps and you're just now saying he hasn't got a good pair of knockers. Like I think you need to treat him a bit more softly. I'm just saying if warmly. I have to
2: compare them, I think yours are better.
3: Thank you, I'll take that compliment. For the show.
2: Well, see I thought we had a chance.
4: <laughs> <sighs> I don't know what to do now. I'm gonna still continue listening.
3: Thank you.
2: But, um, just a bit sad. Oh. Right, boy. Well, I'm sorry to break your heart. I mean, we can still be platonic friends. But that's it. I hope it. he
3: stays on the Patreon <laughs> because then he can hear all the spicy stuff.
2: Oh, yeah. If he's on the Patreon, he can hear some more uh, personal details.
3: Yeah, and detail stories. Yeah. He, he gets to, he'll get to know you even better on the Patreon, which I think <laughs> is what he wants right now. He needs more D.
2: I'm pretty sure I know who that is, but I don't want to say in case I'm wrong. (laughs) But the voice sounds very familiar. How many
3: men are picking you up in London, D, and kissing you on the forehead? That you have to think, oh yeah, there's more than one person who's done that to me.
2: (laughs) There is more than one person that's done that to me in London. (laughs) These fan meetups get kind of crazy, all right? Um, Are you
3: going to an orgy? (laughs) It's not a fan meetup when it's an
2: orgy. They drink a lot, those English fucking people. I swear to God, I remember the first Wait. fan meetup we ever did. There were these guys that were tube operators, like they they drove the tube, and the one guy was so drunk. I mean, he was making other people nervous. And he's like, "You're gonna ride the fucking tube, mate." And I was like, "Well, I, I've ridden it before. You know, I've been on it before. It's like you know, I've done the tube before." He's like, "No, you're gonna drive the tube," and he wanted to break in. And go fucking drive the tube, and I was like, I'm not doing this. And he kept like pulling my arm to like try to drag me over to where the like the station. I was like, I'm not fucking doing this, you crazy limey. You look like fucking <laughs> Alan Ford. Yeah, no, it, it, it gets mental. But I didn't, I didn't mean to uh, to break this guy's heart. You know, I think there's. Uh,
3: I think you owe him an apology, but I think you have to do it on the patron, and we'll do it properly on the patron.
2: All right, maybe, but anyway. Um, there, you'll find love out there, right? Maybe with your well, wife. Well, he is married. <laughs> with your wife, probably. <laughs> you know it's what not you the should...
3: same. It's not the same.
2: Yeah, but you know what he could probably do is he could probably get like a, a pillowcase like with my face printed on it and put it over her head when, uh, you know, they're having their special times.
3: Why don't they get a Pushka and just have your entire like body printed out onto the Pushka, So then it's like, he's really being intimate with you.
2: That, that could work too. I mean you could easily do that. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm Coming saying. Soon you could, to the you, just, public you just gotta be creative. <laughs> gotta be creative. Anyway, um, this next guy is giving us some real talk about marriage. This is some real talk, Kate Rambo. Okay. I'm Because I know like you you know, we we, we, we got married, we, we thought about it, we decided we went and did it, but did we ever really think about the consequences of marriage?
3: I don't think we did, no.
2: Well, here we go. Hey, Dee
0: and Kate, uh, congratulations on your marriage. I thank I you. I'd like you. to say that I've been married for eight years, and when I got married, I didn't think at all about the consequences. For the first five years of my marriage, it was awful. <laughs> um, I was actually going to kill myself.
2: <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> How bad could it be? Like, why not get a divorce? <laughs>
3: If I was his wife and I heard him say that, I'd be like, "What? What am I? Chopped liver? Five years of me was the worst years of your life.
2: Divorce." Well, first of all, why would you even? I mean, why would you even get married if you're if it was going to be that bad? But second, it's like you don't need to kill yourself. There's a thing called the divorce <laughs> <laughs> that you can do. Jesus,
0: slip my wrist in the tub. <laughs> And then I went to my buddy's house for a week and got drunk high. We did a lot of fun things and I decided to change my mind.
2: <laughs> anyway, I don't know what transpired there, but something.
3: <laughs> I bet being married to him for those five years was a barrel of laughs, <laughs> for his wife.
2: I just like, he, he went on this like spirit quest with his buddy. And then all of a sudden like reevaluated his marriage. I guess there's a lot
3: of there's a lot of bromance happening in these calls.
2: A lot of bromance. Um, what
0: I'd like you, what I'd like do you, you guys to know is that I'm not totally against marriage, but I want you guys to consider these uh,
2: these. Questions. Wait, is this guy a marriage counselor?
3: What's he telling us to consider, though? I'm not going to be getting in a bathtub and slitting my wrist anytime. <laughs> like, ever, mate. Because of how shit life gets. I'm never, ever going to do it. Like, <laughs> he can't make me.
2: Oh, well, we'll see. If we, there's some consequences. We are you going to push uh... me to do <laughs> <laughs> There's some consequences of marriage.
0: Where are you guys going to retire when you guys grow, when you guys grow older? Um, what are your budgeting strategies? <laughs>
3: Holy <laughs> shit, this is taking a turn.
0: <laughs> so like,
2: we gotta figure out where we're gonna retire. Or, I mean, I, th- I think we got a couple years. Um, and we gotta talk about our budgeting strategies.
3: <laughs> Wait, I thought you you said you were gonna retire like really soon because you're old. I wish. You're in your 60s. You can retire.
2: I'm gonna be working through my 80s, believe me, with the amount of money I have. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, you're going to be one of those. <laughs> my kids won't let me retire. They dream yeah. me of all my money.
2: Your back record in.
3: collection won't let you retire.
2: Mm-hmm. There's plenty more records I need to buy, so i got to keep working. I know you guys don't want children, so good on you guys because the
0: world's going to shit.
3: <laughs> Very but, true. Uh, I
0: agree with that. You guys are going to live longer than you're going to die, so uh, you guys are going to live longer be- for a long time, so. <laughs> i like this
3: guy (laughs) i want this guy to be like my spiritual advisor you can just ring him up and be like can you just like read a quote from a book and then he's gonna badly read a quote from a book which is what i would do too i like him i feel a connection to this man
2: would you ever listen to the show were you listening back then with that guy he's calling he was harrison's life coach
3: Oh, I remember Harrison. Remember like, that guy?
2: It was just yeah. this guy who like took it upon himself to tell Harrison, like how to live, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> such an egotistical thing to do, but this is kind of reminding me of that. Like this guy's our marriage counselor. I, I, like, of... I
3: like this guy's advice. He's right. You need to plan for your retirement and what you're doing. And, uh, you know, we're going to be, we're going to live for longer than we'll be dead.
2: Then <laughs> we'll be dying. So we're going to be living longer than when we die. Hopefully You're I don't right. die that long as long as I've lived. I'm, I'm trying to ponder that. But I'm hoping in the future this guy calls back with some more marriage tips, you know? I we want need a to know counselor. what
3: occurred within those first five years of marriage to make it so just horrendous for him.
2: Yeah, I would like to know what happened with that too. Yeah. Consider these questions. I know they're not much, but
0: if you want to go to counseling, try it. <laughs> Anyways, love you guys. Keep sick. Keep it wrong. That was fucking awful, too. But it's better than the first one.
2: Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, he did have like an aborted attempt at the first one. <laughs> the first time he really I'll see liked if I can that find call. it. I wanted
3: to ring back with like just more advice, and I need to know more about what occurred within those first five years of his. The, the,
2: that guy's our marriage counselor, so we he- we don't need to go to mar- marriage counseling. We need you, all right?
3: We need him, and if we're gonna <laughs> go to marriage counseling, it will be with this man.
2: You know who would probably be a really good marriage counselor? This guy.
5: <laughs> Greetings, D and Kate. Christopher Siege here. Just wanting yes. to call in to talk a little bit about karma. So about a year and a half ago at the grocery store, this one uh, crackhead-looking guy comes in, mess scars all over his face, filthy clothing, yada yada. Uh, he grabs a shopping basket and just loads it up with hogging us because, like, the <laughs> fucking junkies in my uh, area they like to steal haggadahs and yogurt. That's that's their thing. So he loads up an entire yogurt and haggadahs.
3: Think about it. If you're Jonesing well, like um what, junkies, opioids already gives you a perchance, you know, you want sweets, you you crave sweetness. But when you're like, you know, coming down off a... you don't want to eat anything because it hurts to eat, I totally get this. Ice cream used to be my hangover cure, it used to be my come down cure because it's got sugar in it, it's got fat. It's going to set you on the path to feeling better. And like, what's, name a better ice cream than Haagen-Dazs.
2: Yeah, I'm just saying, what are they, like a sorority girl who's having her period? (laughs) What are they getting (laughs) together watching Gilmore Girls eating (laughs) Haagen-Dazs?
3: I like the fact that they're clearly like fucking in need or something. Um, One of my old junkie friends, you know, he used to exclusively eat. And it led to the point where he got so constipated, he had to be hospitalized. Cheese, Chocolate cream filled eclairs.
2: God, but that's you know, pretty like, specific. Shells like, where remember you chocolate get that
3: on top and cream on the inside. That's all he ate, because that's all he craved.
2: You know what? Uh, I remember Kester used to point this out, but crackheads tend to eat those like sugar wafers. Have you ever seen those? I don't know if they they, they must have them. Yeah, they're like these like kind of wafers. That, that they're usually like vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry, yes. and there's these like really thin wafers. But you can buy them like bodegas or whatever for like 70 cents, you know, 60 cents. So you know, the crackheads would always buy those because it was just pure sugar. And they would you just be what? eating those.
3: One of the reasons I love Eastern Europe is just like if you want wafer, if you want a wafer chocolate, you are going to the right land. Eastern Europe, it's like you can get wafer chocolate everywhere.
2: They just it's love like wafers.
3: Millions of different varieties. I'm getting hungry. Thank you, Siege.
2: Yeah. And some haagen and some plays
5: shopping basket with Hagen Daws and tries to leave the store and uh, i stop him uh when i try to get his attention he he tries to to book it out of there uh, i chase him outside and i uh, grab the basket and like rip it out of his hand and like fucking Hagen daws everywhere all over the <laughs> ground and
2: you know what christopher siege needs he needs some bear spray my sister would tell me like so she and Jer are—they have to move now because they've outgrown their one-bedroom apartment with the with the with the baby, baby schmooly. Anyway, they've been looking for apartments, so they went and saw this place. And the guy that uh, owned the on the place—it wasn't even in the Tenderloin; it was outside the Tenderloin. But the guy that owned the place was like, "Oh yeah, you know, I own um, it's like a, a little grocery store in the Tenderloin." He's like, "Yeah, I've owned it since the '80s." He's like, oh, "And that neighborhood is just such a piece of shit now. He's like, I gave all the, the you know, my uh, employees bear spray. And so they just like full on spray down the, the crackheads. Like when they come in, they just spray them with bear spray. And you know what bear spray is?
3: Well no because we don't have bears in Britain D.
2: It's like grizzly bear mace. It's like it's just what you spray fucking grizzly bears with to get to you know so they can run away. It's like pepper spray for grizzly bears. And they're spraying down homeless people. With that
3: Would do the homeless people react like a bear?
2: Well, they start screaming and flailing about, <laughs> yeah. and they, but they leave the store. So I guess you know, mission accomplished. It must
3: be legal then. I, when I move to Los Angeles, I'm gonna get myself a taser because we're not allowed tasers over here, and I'm gonna get myself some grizzly bear spray. I'm gonna <laughs> be armed and dangerous.
2: <laughs> I don't think you're supposed to be spraying down crackheads with bear spray, but whatever.
3: Anyone who approaches me, if they're like, I'm gonna be like, that's my purse. I don't know you. Bear spray.
2: That's
5: what needed... I'm gonna
3: turn into. <laughs> uh,
5: so he takes a swing at me. Uh, like calls me, uh, utters some homophobic slurs. Takes a swing at me. Uh, I end up tackling him to the ground, and we like oh God. Uh, wrestle around a little bit. Um, I'm trying to restrain him. He managed. Wait, is Christopher Siege a security guard?
3: No, he's a manager.
5: Why the fuck would you even care?
3: You know what would be amazing if you were just like someone like me who's like a lowly like shift worker and you're just stood there being like, Look at my fucking manager.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would be laughing my ass off. I wouldn't I mean, I've worked at grocery stores too and I've seen people shoplift and I'm like, Fuck it, I don't care. It's not my money. My phone-
3: would be out my pocket so quickly. I think there's a, Siege definitely talks about on the Discord, there's a really, really bad crackhead slash homeless problem in Victoria on the island. So I think this could have been the culmination of this is the last straw.
2: Oh, and it just set him off. But I mean, he's going full on Chuck Norris here.
3: Yeah, if we can protect the Haagen-Dazs. I understand protecting the Haagen-Dazs at all costs. I'd be the same. I want to know what flavors. Did he have like a mixture of flavors? What's your favorite Haagen-Dazs flavor?
2: not a big ice cream guy. I don't like that kind of ice cream. I,
3: every once in a while, I like it. I Only like any, any rum raisin is fucking good with me. Rum raisin ice cream, downfall.
2: Yeah, I don't like Soft Least serve.
3: favorite, chocolate.
2: Like but I guys. wonder how many, like, pints the guy I was actually able to steal. I mean, he must have had, I don't know. It sounds like he had, like, a fucking bag, like a Santa Claus sack full of haggadahs. A basket
3: and-, and yogurt. It's a lot of dairy. You know what? That lactose is going to go through this crackhead, and he is going to be shitting for hours.
2: Well, Christopher Steege is, is like Steven Seagal. <laughs> fucking yeah, taking this guy down.
5: Jesus. Christopher Seagal. Just to uh, break out of it. And get up. He grabs, like, two things of haagen and uh, starts <laughs> to run away. And uh, I pull out my phone to uh, to take a picture of him so I can phone the police and report him. And I'm like, hey, fuck face. So he turns around and I'm like, smile. And I take a picture of him. And then this motherfucker, like, throws the two things of Hogandaws at me. One of them, like, hits me in the hand, knocks my oh, phone out of my hand onto the ground. The other, like, it's hits good, eh? me in the side of the face. Now, oh.
2: That's an exceptional aim for a crackhead.
3: He must have just been lobbing them. Just like, you know, properly. Yeah,
2: but I mean, he lobbed two of them, hit the phone out of his hand, and nailed them in the face. I don't have that kind of aim.
3: If they were really properly frozen, that would fucking hurt.
2: Yeah, no, that would hurt. That would hurt.
5: Hit with a uh, pint of like solid frozen ice cream. Feels like getting hit in the face with a fucking fastball. So shit hurt. I was fine, but uh you know whatever a uh, guy ran away i reported him to the cops cops didn't do anything uh and here we are um didn't see this guy again uh like i said this was a year and a half ago Had- hadn't seen him again uh until today and now normally uh all of these uh bags like it's kind of hard to tell one uh, apart from the other but this guy's face i've never fucking forgot <laughs>
3: yeah
5: and uh so i see him again today and uh, this motherfucker is in a wheelchair now,
3: Yay! and
5: I've had a fucking skip in my step all goddamn day about it. And just thought I'd call in to uh, to to share my excitement with you. Wow! Anyway, Keep it sick. Keep it wrong. Bye bye.
2: That is some karma right there.
5: He's a
3: leg mental. I love it.
2: Well, something must have happened. I've been trying... <laughs> like something must have happened to the guy. Um to, to put him in that wheelchair.
3: Did he did he wheel himself into the store? Because I would have like gone over to him and been like, Sir, you and your wheelchair are not allowed here.
2: <laughs> Wasn't well, it a lot easier to steal in a wheelchair now though?
3: Then I would put my middle finger up at him and say, sit and spin. Sit and spin. <laughs> so that's all he can do now is sit and spin.
2: Well now Christopher Siege can just wheel him out of the store. So it's probably a little easier to handle.
3: This is the same joy I feel about the uh the the, the boy the man child I lost my virginity to. Um he has uh he has diabetes. He's had it since birth. And he always used to say that if he didn't look after his health if he got too fat he would lose a foot by the time he was 40. Well he's really fucking huge and he's now 40. And I'm just watching that clock to be like lady karma take his foot the time is now. <laughs> Why do you just foot. hate that guy? Well, yeah, I've talked about him on the Patreon before about what um, a shithead he was—the one who only shagged virgins.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, no, I've recalled that. Yes. Um. Wow. Well, Christopher C is just a hell of a story. Um, I, you know, I admire his courage, though. I do. I don't quite understand the reasoning behind it. Like, I've been in those, ser- I've been that, ser- I've worked at uh, two grocery stores, and I saw shoplifters, and I just didn't care. <laughs>
3: I think it's a case of it might have been the last fucking straw. Because how many crackheads are coming in and giving you shit all the Well, that is wrong?
2: that is one annoying thing, though. Having to deal with crackheads like that is annoying. And
3: then if, if they're doing it, like, fair enough, maybe putting, like, one pint of ice cream in your jacket. This guy's taking a whole fucking shopping trolley, shopping bag. Yeah, he's taking, and like, he's like a bag walk full out of the store yeah. in front of everyone. Like, you've got to go and approach him. And I just, I would probably be like, my manager's pretty fucking, he's pretty cool. To tackle that guy I think it'd be great
2: Christmas Siege, You should get some bear spray I mean I'm sure they have it up there You guys have fucking grissy bears Or whatever Yeah they have
3: bears on the island Just
2: spray those motherfuckers down As soon as they come in Just bam Bear spray It's gonna be incapacitated
3: (laughs) Well He'll definitely be wheeling himself To an early grave (laughs) Not Siege His nemesis We all have nemesises It's great when bad things happen to them It does put a pep in your step.
2: That is one cool thing about uh, about working at grocery stores like that. It's like you do get some pretty cool stories, because especially one in like an inner city one like he lives in, like in Victoria, you know, Vancouver, oh, yeah. a lot of crackheads. Like I imagine like working at the grocery store, like there's a Ralph's up the street. They call it Rock and Roll Ralph's. There's got to be every person there must have a lot of stories, because that place like it's just filled with the most random cross-section of L.A. people. Like there's like hookers. There's like LA models. There's like cool LA dudes. There's crackheads. It's just everyone is in that fucking uh, rock and roll Ralph's and it's open all night.
3: Is that where Danzig bought his cat litter from that one time? No,
2: that's in Los Feliz. He, he was uh, walking out of, um, was it? Uh, Albertsons? Albertsons in Los Feliz.
3: What's an Albertsons like? It's
2: just like a fucking shitty grocery store, just like all the rest. Oh, is it just um, shitty? Oh, okay. It's like a Tesco, imagined, probably. It's like a Tesco.
3: I imagine Danzig being like a Trader Joe's man.
2: Yeah, but he could go to Trader Joe's, but it's far from where he lived at the time. Whereas Albertson's were right up the street.
3: And his cats needed litter. And he's he's a very good cat dad. I very
2: remember good. uh Lenora used to live around the corner from where his he doesn't live in Los Leeds anymore, not in that same house. But um if you if you ever go to Los Feliz and you're driving in L.A. and you drive down Franklin, you'll see Danzig's old house because it's like, you know, it's million a dollar home, million dollar home, Adams family looking home. <laughs> Seriously, it looks like the home out of like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then there's like another million dollar home, million dollar home. So it's it's like a blight in the neighborhood. And there's like a big like wrought iron black fence in front of it. And then people throw all these cards through it. You always see like these dancing, like Valentine's Day cards. Um, I'm
3: telling you, it needs to put it back on the market and I'm going to buy it with all my shekels. Oh, I'll move I'd, to I'd, love, to, I'd
2: love to own that place. It's fucking it's a fucking cool house. And there's like a coach house in the back.
3: Yeah, definitely Super, would live in there. I yeah. know he's there's still a dirty mattress on the floor, but I would sell that on eBay as and that would definitely sell. Somebody would come up He probably banged a
2: lot of whores on that.
3: It, he probably did. But
2: Lenora <laughs> lived around the corner from him and she said she, like on multiple occasions she'd see him at the 7-Eleven buying beer with like two like full on just like skanks. <laughs> like <laughs> she, I mean this was back in like I don't know, the nineties.
3: Was she ever like, Hey, hey Glenn, how's it going? How's it hanging?
2: No, I don't think uh I don't, I don't think she's a huge fan of Glenn Danzig. Oh my
3: god, I would have been like, What are you up to, Glenn? What's going on? What you, you would drinking? have been you would have some been one Lilla of the skanks.
2: <laughs> You'd have been one of the skanks for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you there, Christopher Siege. I wanna hear some more uh, grocery store stories. Oh, uh, wait, people yeah. call second on hotline 323-522-4032. Um, if, you, if you're if you not already on Patreon, I don't know what you're doing to your fucking life. Seriously. I, I mean, I think you need to sit down and reflect on what's going on because you're missing out on the second sick and wrong show. We get like a full show, like a second show. We call it second show. That's what, that's why it's a second show. Until and so and, we uh, come
3: up with a better name, it's just called the second show for now.
2: I like it. It rolls off the tongue. It's the alliteration. Second show. Uh, but it's a whole show on Patreon, like a whole hour and a half show. And uh, we, we get into personal details about our lives. This week we we're chatting about my brother's upcoming 50th birthday, which he's not particularly pleased about, and his impossible request for a PS5 that me and my sister are dealing with right now. That's all he wants is a PS5.
3: Yeah, good luck to him.
2: Yeah, it's a fucking, it's not, it's not something you can just buy. You can't get those. We're on like these waiting lists. He's just like, oh, I want PS5. 50-year-old man wants a PS5. Don't.
3: Well, we definitely talk about you judging people for it, because I'm a gamer, and I found it insulting that you were um, saying he's a 50-year-old, he wants a PS5. It's insulting, yeah. D. Simon?
2: Well, anyway, it's a fucking difficult thing to add. It's like the fucking holy grail. It's hard to find. Uh, we also received a lengthy call from the WAD about his time working as an aide at a nursing home. He washed a lot of uncircumcised dicks. Put it that way. <laughs>
3: His
4: favorite thing to do, which is also my Um, favorite thing
2: to do. But yeah, second show, you know, we let our guards down. It's a lot more personal, uh, a lot of current life events being discussed on it. Uh, And then we also do a news story and uh, phone calls. But it's released every Sunday, just like the main show. And it's only five bucks a month. It's nothing. It's nothing. Should do it, and for a few bucks more, you get our cigarone news segment. Uh, this week, we we talk about uh, Marilyn Manson's small soundproof glass enclosure called the Bad Girls Room, <laughs> which uh, that's where you put the ladies when they're on timeout.
3: When they're being bad girls, I put, put them in the Bad Girls Room. That. The fancy name for them is an Edinburgh Closet.
2: <laughs> an Edinburgh Closet.
3: <laughs> Look it up, D. That's the fancy name for them.
2: <laughs> anyway, Sick and Wrong news is uh, definitely something you don't want to miss out on. And also at the uh, the $10 tier, you get Sick and Wrong Overkill, which is the, uh, the mini-sode. Uh, this week, Kate uh, was uh, discussing all the theories about Lee Harvey Oswald. Was he a lone shooter?
3: It's not a theory. It's all truce. It's debunking all the myths about... Like why people think um, the JFK assassination was carried out by anyone other than Lee Harvey.
2: Or were there multiple shooters? Find out on Overkill.
3: No, stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Stop it, T. Don't wind me up.
2: Did Lee Harvey Oswald act alone?
3: (laughs) Yes, he did. Find out why on Overkill.
2: (laughs) Kate even took a poll amongst Europeans and Americans. You'll never believe the results. Anyway, go check it out. Patreon.com slash sick and wrong. We do appreciate you supporting the show. Also, you can buy some sick and wrong merch for the holidays. D A Z E, holidays. <laughs> if you go to sick podcast.com slash shop, you click on the picture of the Pope and uh, go take advantage of the holiday sales at the uh, sick and wrong store. And finally, here's sick and wrong song of the week. I wanted to, I wanted to pick something topical. There's so many like cop punk songs and rap songs. But uh, this one I thought was particularly relevant. Good Cop, Bad Cop. It's a song by Ice Cube from his album Death Cert- Certificate, which came out in 1991. And it's pretty much all about what we, um, what we discussed previously about the bad cops. But there's some good cops, too. So it's what good cops do? and bad cops. We're gonna end the show with that song. People will be back next week with episode 819. Till then. Take it Turn me loose. Break
1: them off, son. Yeah. Good cop, good cop, rolling with that bad cop. What you doing, boy? Turning that blood clock, buckshot shot. They fly through the truck spots, robots. You give a damn who the fuck shot? Clean cop, clean cop, fucking with that dirty cop. Don't act like your ass never heard of that. Clean cop, clean cop, rolling with. Cock. Still trying to act proud as a peacock. You know that mean cop might need a detox. Motherfucker tried to blow me out my rebox, But I swing like Jack in a beanstalk. Chop him down when these bitches try to lock me down. Hit the crown, hit the turf. walk the earth. Q kidnap your mind. Patty Hearst. Bust a burst that'll make your ass hit reverse. Kill the curse that was placed on the universe. West Coast warlord, black it in the black night. Fuck a black and white when they ain't acting right. Good cop filling out your report. Bad cop asking you to distort. Bad cop asking you to lie in court. Send another young brother up north. Send another young sister off course. Why these motherfuckers chill on the golf course? Black police showing out for the white cop. White police showing out for the black cop. Black police showing out for the white cop. White police showing out for the. Crazy cop, always wagging about the new kids they got. Do a die cop with that suicide cop. cop. Tell the truth cop with that true or lie cop. cop. Are you fucking high cop? Don't even try cop. Man, Ain't on. no motherfucking drugs up in my spot. All you find in my closet is the high top. And my motherfucking ticket to the sky box Hold up, nigga. Hold up. I'm a ride up. Use a roller. You yep, have the controller. Make me mad? That's when I get swollen. The incredible hocus bipolar. Come out the cuffs, yeah. knock off the rust. Throw my hands up, so you still want to bust. The Trojan horse is full of a force. When they try to get aggressive niggas off the court. Black police showing out for the white cop. White police showing out for the white cop. Black police showing out for the white cop. police showing out for the white cop. Good cop, good cop, where is your dignity? Where's your empathy? Where is your sympathy? Bad cop, where's your humanity? Good cop, good cop. Is that just a fantasy? Hell on that nigga, snitch on that bitch Truth be told, motherfuck the blue code Fuck the po-po, actin' like D-O. Already know, Craig, let the brick go Black lives matter, it's not chit-chatter Cause all they wanna do is scatter brain matter A nine is a terrible thing to waste A nine is terrible in your face The mace has a terrible fucking taste The pin is a terrible fucking place The kings all hate the fucking ace Sabotage my fucking case hey, 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 Racist hey, motherfucker Black police showing out for the white cop White police showing out for the white cop
5: We're gonna have them take a look at you hit me the... with a remote control. I understand. Okay, and then is what? Now, how did you get the bruises? You hit me with the broomsticks.
1: That right there come from uh, her damn trying to grab me and tackle me like a football player. I mean, I ain't but so big, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you do the math, you know what I'm saying? She bigger than me, you know what I'm saying? What the hell I'm gonna do? Let her sit on me? I mean,
0: it, I mean, it is what it is. I'm man. I'm gonna set my charges.